healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the Basement Film Music Coverage. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Lessons, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And as usual, we are so happy to have you down here yet again. Uh, Going to reward you coming back again and again with a, uh, a week full of discologists. Now, a little while ago, we recorded uh, one for R.E.M.'s Murmur. And uh, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. And uh, R.E.M. is one of my favorite bands of all time. But this is not that. Because the show is not just about me. It's about all our friends that we have down here. Uh, it's about the conversation. And, um, and so Eduardo who you know and love, uh, has been a big fan of Faith No More most of his life. Uh, they were huge in Brazil, obviously where he is from originally. And um, since he started, I think it was actually, you'll hear him saying this, I think it was his uh, writing sample when he sort of applied to, to join the team, was about Faith No More. And uh, so we've been trying to work this in uh, for now two years, two and a half years or so. Uh, but we finally got it. Talking about Faith No More's Angel Dust. Uh, this is not a um, this is not a typical, I think, discologist because this is an actual discussion. I'm not a huge fan of Faith No More, and I'm not now after discussing this. A lot of these uh, discussions will sort of sway the way I think or other people think on the podcast, and uh, and and this this didn't. This didn't, but I do recognize the importance of this album, and it is a fascinating discussion about how uh, people see music different ways. Um, joining us is going to be Eduardo, uh, Drew, and uh, Drew's friend, Kerry. Just randomly, he was like, hey, I have a, have a Faith No More super fan, somebody who knows way more about it than uh, any of us, and, and he, was, he was right, and she was great, so... That is what we're going to be doing uh, for this episode, uh, and if... if you are a Faith No More fan, or you've never heard of them, or you're interested in this album, you know, whatever the reason, if, if this is your jam, and it's what you feel like you should be spending the next hour or so doing, uh, then let's get ready, let's get set, let's head on down to the basement, uh, meet my friends talking about uh, Faith No More's classic album, Angel Dust. telling drew that like i have a friend who um i met at a show we became friends because of hockey right we became friends on twitter it turns out we had mutual friends now we're just like real friends and we talk about like random shit but it came up that like he doesn't like mike Patton or anything that he touches and it's like that's never happened to me and i was like what like that could be that could be interesting cookies or pie (laughs) that could be that could be an interesting end to this because i think uh uh I, I found out some things about myself this week. <laughs> in your in your research, in, you sacrifice yourself. In, in my research, yourself. and and one of them self knowledge is a process, Kevin, not a destination. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was that I don't like Mike Patton, and I don't understand uh, people who do. Often, I, I'm open to learning about Mike but, Patton. But, but what but, I'm saying is, I have sympathy for yeah. your dislike of him, uh-huh. and since he's a central component of this band yeah yeah like there are bands that i don't like because of vocalists like a vocalist is a crucial element for me and if i don't like the vocals i don't care how good the rest of the music is i cannot get past it i don't even know if the yeah we'll just air it all out i know i I don't even know i don't even know if it's if look i respect him as a vocalist i respect him as a but he he did the voices for one of my favorite things of all time left for dead the uh, zombie the game. game, the video game, yeah, the yeah. video game. So he did the he did the voices for all the zombies. So for that, like, I'm like, kudos, Mr. Patton. He did the zombies in I Am Legend too. I yeah, think. Uh, but there's something about uh, supposed to be vampires. Him well. as a person or something. I, I I don't even know <laughs> that. Just is it 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 does me the, the wrong way when I hear him singing stuff. It does me the wrong way, and I can't. Uh, 
Like you can't take him seriously, which is makes it weird that we're going to be talking about Angel Dust, which is one of their biggest Faith No More's biggest album, the band that he is best known for. Uh, the voice you heard was Carrie. What's, what's your last name, Carrie? Costa. Costa. Carrie Costa. Drew, you're down here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and Eduardo, this is your fault. <laughs> so, no, no, this is fine. We've never done one like so. Usually, Carrie, you don't know this, but we have a. Uh, Part of the things we do, we call them discologists, and where we take older albums and we just dive in and dissect it. So a lot of times it's just celebrating an album. Mm-hmm. We just did uh, one for R.E.M.'s first album, and it, it was kind of lame because we just gushed over it. Murmur or the weird one before Murmur, that? Not that no one. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I remember the name of R.E.M.'s first album. Right, right. Well, it is Murmur. and it is, I, I knew that because I listened to the episode. It is coming out was, on Thursday. I was, uh, I, was, I was just trolling you with like record store knowledge, I know, man. I know, man. Uh, but this has been sort of in the pipe for a long time because one of your favorite bands of Bordeaux is Faith No More. Uh, in fact, when you first started showing up in this basement, you said, uh, have you ever thought about talking about Faith No More? And I was like... <laughs> it's part of my origin story because I think it was my writing sample to you. Was it? Yeah. There was something... There was like part of... One of <laughs> one of the three things I submitted was, uh, was a personal essay about Faith No More. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm going to have to go back and look that up. Yeah. It's, I don't, but... Uh, no, <laughs> but no. It's, I think, I think but it's I a am. fact. It's a thing that happens. Um, so uh, for, for people who... Uh, just a little background on this and why we're talking about this i'm just going to turn it over to you eduardo since you are wearing the goddamn shirt um yeah well i've um well i guess you know maybe that maybe that writing sample is is a good place to start because um i had just i think when i was reaching out to you guys about the podcast um Saul invictus had just come out and i was in this really weird space of like oh my god i get to listen to a new faith no more record for the first time in 15 years 16 years something like that and I was going to see them that summer, and that led me down this whole kind of like memory hole of remembering um, the first time I saw them was in Rio in 1991, and then I saw them on the Angel Dust tour with Helmet opening for them in '92. What? And then that was a great fucking show. And then I kind of, and then I just sort of like, I stuck with Mike Patton and with Mr. Bungle, but I sort of like fell off the Faith No More train a little bit. And uh, I did after this album. Yeah, well, well, King for a Day. I didn't get King for a Day at the time, and now I think it's now I think it may be my favorite Faith No More album. But that's but that's that's a whole other uh, <laughs> ball of wax. We're here to talk about Angel Dust because this was really the this is really what like like the point where the band that most people think of as Faith No More really became Faith No More, and that's not to like to diss what came before this because in fact probably their most successful global hit was Epic. Um, on an album that Mike Patton was really just brought in to like put the finishing touches and sort of lay down some vocal tracks on it was all recorded and uh, and the band had just um, kicked ch- the late Chuck Mosley rest in peace um, out of the band at that point um, and up 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 till then they had been this sort of like weird Bay Area collective with touches of like I don't know, sort of like, you know, sort of synthy, gothy things going on. There was some there was some more new waviness to it. They, um, they had one kind of minor hit with, with We Care, we a, Care lot. a Lot, which yeah. which I oddly kind of feel was, and this is just me, a song that was sort of written for Mike Patton without anybody knowing it because he wasn't <laughs> in the band. Right. But it's also the one song that that Mike Patton still performs. Yeah, that was, you know, dated before he joined the band. But it's perfect for him because, you know, it's got this line, uh, it, you know, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of seems to me like it's like there was a dirty job in rock and roll that needed to get done. And Mike <laughs> Patton was the guy to do it. And and I, was, I, I thought yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they had kind of had established themselves um, before this album. No, that's that's I think that's exactly right. I mean, I mean, they and, and, and you know, Chuck Mosley, I think, by all accounts, had um sort of you know substance abuse and mental health issues and 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 was not kind of working for the band um at that point but i really i really really love introduce yourself i think i love that that album and i go back to it um quite a bit but they had already been around when mike Patton shows up in i guess it's 89 or right, 88 80. or so yeah 89 um they had they had been around since like 82 or so i think i think for like 2 weeks courtney love actually sang for face and more <laughs> it was one of those like weird <laughs> trivia things when they were like shuffling through uh through vocalists um well the first album was 85 yeah that was that was we care a lot real thing was 89 yeah 
um, so this comes out June of 92, and and in theory, Faith No More were, like, poised to have, to be this sort of, like, massive commercial success after Epic, um, and, uh, and I, and I, you know, and I was, I lived in, in Brazil at the time, and they were literally the biggest band, and they played, like, a 22-date tour of Brazil, I think, in, in 1991, after they blew Guns N' Roses off the stage at Rock in Rio in 91. Not hard to do in 91. <laughs> Especially when it was, you know, I, I think that was Guns N' Roses' like first show since, you know, 88 or something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but so all of a sudden Brazil fell in love with Faith No More. They were every fucking where. And, and that's kind of how I came by my love of the band is just they were, they were it was this weird thing. Like you joke about being big in Japan, like Faith No More were just huge in Brazil. Well, it's interesting because at that time there was – and there's a weird journey of the real thing, right? So, you know, grunge hit. When, when did – I forget when Nevermind dropped. But it was 91? Like 91, yeah. So, you know, this stuff was like on like late night, 120 minutes, right? But all of a sudden, right. it wasn't until the 90s. It came out in 89. It wasn't until, like, early 91 where Epic was actually on just the airwaves all the fucking time on mm-hmm. the TV. You couldn't avoid it. It's in broad daylight. It has all the stuff coming out. And when they, This was around the time then they were getting, like, the uh, Red Hot years, Chili Peppers. Yep. Right. And that's, that's two years after the album release, though. That's that's So they've done yeah, – they were right. doing the thing. But also, uh, a lot of artists are going to Rio. They're like, mm-hmm. there's this huge market for metal. Living Color like was huge down there around yep. that time. Yeah. But if you look at like what was going on in, in '92 album wise, it was like, honestly, it was it was fucking crazy. You had like, Ten Thousand Maniacs, Our Time in Eden, right? Which was the defining. <laughs> I'm finding like, that Four Non Blondes album was out. Yeah. yeah. Allison Chains, Dirt. Right. Which is, I want to talk about that someday because it's a motherfucker now, but. Yeah. Blind Melon's first one was fucking destroying shit. The Chronic was out. Right. Uh En Vogue hit. <laughs> right? So uh Jim Blossoms, you have some obvious stuff in here. House of Pain, uh late Madonna Erotica is out. Countdown to Extinction. Psalm sixty nine. The way yeah. to succeed and the way to suck eggs. Yeah. The last yeah. good ministry album. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nina that, Cherry, that... Harvest Moon by fucking Neil Young oh, is yes. out in 92. Did Broken come out in 92? Yes. Yeah. Bro- okay. <laughs> Bro- uh, there's Pant- so many. Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power. Broken. Broken. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, Grave Dancers Union, Soul Asylum. Jesus. Stone Temple Pilots Core, Blue by, sh- uh, c- uh, sorry, Copper Blue by Sugar. By Sugar, yeah. Southern yeah, Harmony and Musical Companion, <laughs> Black Crows. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's a Shame About Ray, The Sunday is Blind, Ooh on the TLC Tip, Little Earthquakes, Jesus. The First Uncle Tupelo album and this is most oh, importantly wow. actually before that white zombie Les exorcist ooh, devil wow. music so <laughs> so and if that's not wild enough because that covers the gamut the motherfucking bodyguard soundtrack by whitney houston right, right. <laughs> so so think Somehow about that's not on my radar right right and so think about all this music all this different type of music that's being thrown at people in that and then they drop I feel like I had every third album that you mentioned. Yeah. Like for yeah. reasons yeah. that are completely unrelated because I didn't find them until until it was on 120 minutes. It was literally yeah. the video. Like I'm not yeah. going to try to like wave around any old street cred. Like no, I had no. any idea who they were before I'm like in my basement, you know, when I'm supposed to be asleep in junior right. high, like watching S- Sunday videos. nights. Yeah. 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 yeah and watching it. And, and so you have all this like wild ass music and then this comes along. And, and I think was, was the first single midlife crisis. It was indeed. It was. So, so let's hear a little bit yeah. of that because, uh, this little like, and, and, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say anything. Except, you're going to damn them with faint praise. No, is all this you're is gonna just do. different than Epic. <laughs>
for single off Angels Dust right there. It is not epic. It is not epic. It was. It did. Um, uh, it turned. Uh, it furrowed some brows, I think, because there was an expectation that they were going to um, keep going in the same direction as the real thing. And this is sonically very different. It's a lot. It, there's a lot more on the sort of the lower end. Um, real thing sounds really tinny to me now when I mm-hmm. listen to it, but. Um, but it's still the um, uh, four of the five original band members. So you have Mike Borden on drums. You have Roddy Bottom on the keys and synth. Um, you have Jim Martin on guitar. This would be his last album with the band, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Billy Gold on bass, who were sort of like a weird cast of characters, all of whom, like, if you follow their individual musical pursuits, like Roddy Bottom has Imperial Teen, which is like delicious bubblegum pop. Billy Gould was in uh, Brujeria, which is sort of like very uh, dark uh, death metal, which sounds redundant, but it is. Um, Jim Martin, I think, is now a watermelon farmer. Does that does anyone, does anyone know that? I think I think he I think he sort of got tired of. I think he didn't like and, what the, and Jim Martin was the guy in the epic video who, who was he, the, the flying he was bee the guy. He was yeah. the metal guy yeah. Yeah. in the band. He was, and he clearly did not appreciate the lack of thrashiness that Mike Patton's artistic vision would would bring to the band. I, well, I, well, I think they brought a bunch of samples. There is that the too. There this is, was also ninety two. Was also some of the albums we didn't miss. Uh, Arrested Development. Oh yeah, uh, that um, you know, this is the rise of hip hop that honestly white people would listen to. Yeah, I and a better way to put it. Well, and also like you know, this this album sample smaller and smaller has um, malpractice has a Kronos Quartet piece in the middle. Um, Be aggressive has a fucking cheerleader squad. Um, yeah, my mom is not a fan of that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like this is like the like a, a prime example of the kind of album that like the A and R, you know manager at the major label like fears getting handed to them right. in a sense because they like you know epic was great you know like, uh, do let's keep do, doing more of this kind of funk metal rap thing because it's selling and the chili peppers are doing great with it and they kind of hand this left field album in with like you know roddy bottom i think is clearly like stepping up with a vision that he has for mm-hmm. the band that maybe wasn't showing up as much in uh in the real thing and so you get a lot of, I think, the samples, the keys really drive a lot of the music in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really love Jim Martin's, you know, metal guitar approach in this album. Um, it's interesting that, like, you know, he really had a bad time making this album. I think he was, like, kind of phoning in his tracks yeah. and didn't want to be around and, and, and saw himself departing. Well, he but has I, that awesome solo on Everything's Ruined that sounds like it could be like written by David Gilmore. Like it's just this yeah. like glorious moment. But then when he has to come in and do the sort of the wah stuff, like on Be Aggressive and Crack, Hit- and Crack Hitler, which I, has to, I, have, I have to assume is not his favorite thing to do, he's, he, he, he does I, it. I think he's, he steps up. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like David Gilmore, you know, I think yeah, late, right. some late period Pink Floyd, David Gilmore wasn't a big fan of what they were doing, but he always delivered you know, a high quality you yep. know, piece of music um, that I think helps make the the album. I, you know, I'm actually less of a fan of their post Jim Barton. It, stuff. It, it's important to know that this was on a major label. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's another thing about 92. If you made music, you could get on a major label. That's, well, just, that's well, how that fucking worked. Well, real things sold over a million copies, right? I don't know if, I don't know if Angel Dust did or not. I should have, I should have looked that up. It but... was their best selling. So it's all, it's all okay. more than real thing. Okay. Yeah, it's the best selling album of their career. I'd actually like to see the, the year by year, because I kind of feel like fate, the Angel Dust has been like a consistent seller mm-hmm. over time. But it was, I feel like I remember at the time that it was like less of a seller than the real than the real thing at the time. I think it was considered a disappointment, which yeah, is the whole sure. point of King like for a Day Fool for a Lifetime, right? It was sort of playing with the idea that like the door was open for us to go out and kind of take over the world. And instead we gave them Angel Dust. Right. And so, you know, now we get to live with that. Um, so, so I guess that's the big question that that, that I want at least answered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is is why why Angel Dust? Why why is this what is? Because it, it, regardless of my biases, regardless of anything, like this album has persevered. This album is what people look to yeah. for faith no more. This is what this is the prime example, and more importantly, it's like considered like the pinnacle or one of the pinnacles of like '90s music. I mean, this is people are not fucking around with this album. They go back and discover it, and they're just like, oh shit. And uh, and uh, a lot of them go. Oh, I got a hole. I got a hole in my really knowledge. Of, I got a hole that... in my knowledge of the '90s, and this is one of them. Right. 
So, so, so I need you guys to explain it. Well, it attracts an eclectic bunch of people. And so I, I feel like I've talked a little bit, so I'm going to, I'm going to pull back, but I'll say that one of my favorite things to do is like when I'm like, like at my, at my 40th birthday party, two guys who didn't know each other at all were in a corner talking and I just walked up to them both. And I was like, you both love angel dust. And I walked away and they were like, oh shit. Like I knew there was a reason I was talking to you here. Right. Um, it's just a weird album that has a special place for a lot of people. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can explain it, but what do you guys think? I mean, I, I, I got this album, you know, discovered them. Um, obviously, I, I knew like we care a lot. Um, and and the real thing obviously was was blew up. And I loved that album. And then I discovered Mr. Bungle um, and their yeah. first album, which I guess they, they put out after uh, 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 the real thing. Uh, and that was just like some insane level mm-hmm. music. And it kind of blew my mind. And it's just like short attention span theater circus, you know, metal yeah. kind of thing. With lots and, of blue velvet samples thrown in, and, and, in between and, the tracks. Yeah. yeah. And you could tell, okay, like Mike Patton is definitely weirder than the real thing showed. And he, de- you know, and I think he put a good stamp on that. And so what, I remember anticipating Angel Dust. And, and, and me and my friends were kind of like, What's he going to do with this band that he's got? Because, you know, like this is the time when he's going to put his stamp on it. And I kind of feel like it, you know, a lot of things really came together on this album. It feels like a whole cohesive album of some some catchy but weird shit. And and, uh, you know, it's it's just so different from what what up, you know, everything that was out there. I mean, I remember people calling it smart metal, uh, (laughs) you know, or like. I don't think like, I think everybody was trying to figure out what is this like, you know, yeah. and you couldn't really categorize it, but it was it was different enough. You know, it definitely wasn't grunge. I don't think Mike Patton was big on the grunge thing. Right. And so it was a nice antidote to that kind of thing coming out. Um, but yeah, I just you know, it was just a mind blower of an album for me. To me, the thing that explains the question that you're asking mm-hmm. is that my math is bad, like however many decades later we're talking about it, that you still can't immediately explain to like a non-knowledgeable party, like here's what it sounds like. They made music that they wanted to make with like a complete disregard for, is this accessible? Is the previous audience going to buy this? Like, does this sound like what we did before? It was like, this is music that will challenge the previous audience. And I Mm -hmm. wonder about the the group of people that ended up buying this album because they wanted another real thing and then brought a record home that they were like, what the hell is this? Right. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, like, this is what I want, which is this inexplicable collision of like different styles of music with like this clear, like raw chemistry of like these individual people have a sound that is not like anything else that I'm listening to. So for you, it's, it's more like it, 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 it you want that more like the saccharine hit of something that's just immediately like accessible. I mean, I love the real thing as an album. Yeah. Like I, it doesn't, it holds up really well right. to me, you right. know, like there's like, I can't really listen to Epic like again for the 8,000th <laughs> time. Cause my head might explode, but, um, but like underwater, like love, a fish underwater like, love. some yeah. of those yeah. songs are just like amazing. Woodpecker from Mars is a song that like, uh, I keep, like instrumental, uh, like yeah, they yeah, covered just, a black Sabbath song and right. they didn't trash it. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There I, I want to play another track, and I want to play one of the more accessible tracks in here because I think this was uh, whether this. It's funny because this is before a track called "The Small Victory" on the album, and this was a big victory. <laughs> this, was a, this was a big victory because I swear to God, if you were in college, you walked around, and as weird as this album is, whether you liked it or not, this song was blasting out of every fucking frat house dorm room. There's just every fucking where. It was, Do you know the joke though? Yeah. Yes. Mike yes. Patton the, wrote I didn't the jokes. Wait, wait, we'll yeah, talk about yeah. that after. Right. We'll talk about that after. So here's a little bit of big wrestling. <laughs> Swallow, I swallow, I 
the song's not exactly what it seems. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, um, it's not even a joke. I, and look, this, it, I, I will cop to this. It is brave of, as fuck as them to put something like this on an album in 1992 mm-hmm. on a major label. Mm-hmm. Because what's it about, guys? <laughs> Carrie, do you want to, <laughs> since you, since you teased this? So, uh, <laughs> The, the fun part is that I've listened to this song like probably a hundred times and didn't know this until sometime in the last five years that this is a joke uh, that Roddy orchestrated to force Mike Patton to sing a song about uh, about blowjobs. <laughs> yep. And to get a bunch of aggro metal dudes at the time chanting yep. along and, and singing I swallow, I swallow, you know, yeah. reach down my throat, you filthy bird, that's all I need. Uh, and fraternities across America. <laughs> I, I shit you not. It was just. I mean, and, and many times it was like the song, the end of the evening, and you're looking at it like, okay, bros, <laughs> <laughs> like cool. Yeah. No, whatever you whatever you got to do. But like, uh, yeah, the uh, for years the lack of awareness of what it was about was always. Uh, and I don't know that anybody in the modern like music sphere at that time did something this subversive. And, it takes and, a lot. It does take a lot to get this into. Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's a wonder they're not playing this at fucking football games. It's a it's right. a cheer, but it's a wonder. <laughs> it's a wonder that people right. like football teams aren't marching out to it and like, like yeah. Um, but it, but it, but it does speak to like something that's that's kind of always there with Faith No More, which is there's this like scatological or like there's this sort of sexual component to almost everything that Mike Patton does. I mean, if you have like any of his like vocal albums with you know the on the john zorn label like mm. the songs are like you know robot lust and black and white songs to make love to your old lady by there's that Lovage. there was the right <laughs> um he does he does a lot in in portuguese um there was a song on king for a day called caralho voador which basically means like flying cock um <laughs> <laughs> now i'm sad that i never googled that <laughs> and um and and interestingly, I, I I remember two really funny things about their sort of heyday in Brazil. Um, one being that Mike Patton was interviewed by this guy Zeca Camargo, who was sort of like Brazilian MTV's Kurt Loder, and so that he sat down for like a hard hitting, thirty minute interview with Mike Patton. And at the time, I thought he is a genuinely strange person. And now, of course, looking back, I'm like, oh, he was obviously fucking with him. And like, I just didn't. Right. I just as a 14 year old boy, I had no idea that you could just do a 30 minute interview with someone and just brazenly lie so mike Patton told this story on this interview that uh when he was growing up as a kid when he first learned how to masturbate his parents didn't tell him it was wrong and so they would sort of have him do it in front of people like the the way the way you would say like mike play the piano for the guest they would be be like mike come on and and show our guests what you can do and he would just masturbate in front of them I'm, i'm pretty sure that's not true um and he was just you know sort of fucking with the interviewer um but that's but that's one funny thing I remember. The other is that there was a Brazilian metal magazine at the time, and and the singer for this famous uh, hardcore band in Brazil called Hatos do Porão, which translates to like Basement Rats, um, was given a VHS uh, like a homemade tape by Mike Patton as sort of because they hung out a bunch when Faith No More toured Brazil, and it was sort of like his farewell gift, like hey, it's been real. Here's here's this here's this videotape. You should go watch it, and it was basically an hour of torture porn. <laughs> of like people having parts of their bodies nailed to tables, like just horrible deviant sexual acts with like I'm a completely Mr. unsurprised <laughs> yeah, with, with with a Mr. Bungle video thrown in in the middle, which I think was never released. <laughs> just randomly. That features clowns torturing kids, <laughs> right? It's like it's the first, it's the Travolta or quote unquote song on that on that first Mr. Bungle album, and just and 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 even though the video was never like shared. Um, uh, the 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 guy from this band didn't mind providing you with like a very detailed description of like every scene that happened and so I have a question <laughs> because I don't know where I heard this or if this is something that came up organically in conversation or I read this that part of their motivation or his motivation as an artist was to deliberately try to like filter out people who couldn't deal with the sort of like ham-fisted kind of subversive sexual references and the satire it was like well if you're a homophobic bro this is not the music for you that he did it on purpose like right but but but, i mean to to that point i i always think i always say like that doesn't ever achieve that i mean sure there's going to be people that that run and and cower from that for me like and and why this isn't my favorite album of all time and i do not celebrate their catalog (laughs) (laughs) 
is is because you know it's obviously a joke, right? And and something like that now, especially like you would take it seriously, like actually do and. And nowhere in their career, especially in this album, do they seem to necessarily take it seriously. So it's just sort of like somebody saying something shocking uh, isn't shouldn't be shocking to somebody who is even like marginally an adult. And uh, my thing in listening to this this week, I, I joked over chat like I was like, I hate Faith No More. If I had a time machine, <laughs> I think you started I would, Twitter I, poll. If I had a time machine, I would go back in time not to kill baby Hitler. But make sure Mike Patton never joined Faith No More, and um, but it's because like I, I hear like so much like potential in this band to my ears, and I just can't figure out where like the me is that would appreciate this, and so in that it's unlike any album we've ever talked about down here. Like I, I literally just haven't. I can't. I just don't relate to it. I, I think for me, like, uh, you know, there were people who got this joke and could see sure, it happening sure. when it was happening, like the like be aggressive at the time. That song did make people uncomfortable. There were people that got it and were like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. And it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, something provocative actually like, you know, make some of, you know, whether it's the, the frat boys kind of go don't play that album it's got that song on it that we don't like we get what that song's mm-hmm. about it's like we we you know we've crossed that off the list um and i think clearly they were you know mike patton was very interested in like really sticking it to like the label forcing them to put this kind of stuff out and and, and i appreciated that that um, effort to kind of like not play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And maybe that's it because in your definition or that I'm about to throw out of, of satire may vary, but I, I think, or your mileage may vary with it, but I, but I think satire, like for it to work, it actually has to be like less than uh, juvenile. And when I listen to Faith No More, especially this album, like I am just, it, it seems too juvenile because just saying, ha ha, I stuck it to the man is it doesn't it doesn't but i also don't think he cares uh, you're right i don't think you put that much thought into it so if it's like he's trying really hard to be subversive and Mm -hmm. like controversial and and to like hit you with like lowbrow humor or whatever like i don't yeah i don't think that it even crosses his mind that's like he thinks it's funny it's not that big of a deal he keeps moving and i would put it out there which is which is very pure by the way that's a pure way to do things and i can i can jab with that it, it might be unfair to label this whole album based on be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, <laughs> like like yep. like yep. one of the things Mike Patton is known for, and a lot of I think uh, lyricists are like this, where they don't they don't write their lyrics out and then put music to it. They kind of write their lyrics to the music, and it's more about the sound of mm-hmm. the lyrics. Um, and in so I don't think you know, there's a lot of lyrics on here that are not intended to just be juvenile or right. or right. or just be offensive to, for the for the sake of it. Um, but it's also interesting too when people say I write lyrics to the music and the, based on the sounds, what words still come out? And there's a interest, interesting He's window into your <laughs> right, right. He specifically or, has said stuff like that. Like yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. As far as like my musical interest, I don't read a right. lot of interviews and stuff. But yeah. he specifically said like I make word choices because I like the combination of words. He's not spending a bunch of time revising based on like the deeper meaning of whatever. It's like, this sounds interesting to me. Well, and but, when they... but if you put like Neil Diamond in front of the same instrumental music, he's not going to come up with the same words. <laughs> they may be, now you know, they, hear like they a... may be, they may be the same vowel sounds <laughs> and stuff, but they're going to ultimately be different word choices that you get in that journey. Well, and, 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 and two, there's a way, you know, I, I think it's, you can't discount Mike Patton's delivery and just the amount of conviction behind it. You know, not only is there like the, like the incredible vocal range and the expressiveness. It's and like I think, I six... think, Six yeah. octave range so, yeah. vocal. So some some musicology journal actually published an analysis of like of like recorded vocals and concluded that Mike Patton has displayed like the greatest kind of vocal range um, in the history of recorded music or Which something. Which feeds the legend, but like that, that has to translate into stuff. That, but like, but the but 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 the point is that that they're they're like. The vision is is weird and challenging, but the band's commitment to it is is like 
you know, when you get to King for a Day, they're not doing, when they're doing like songs that are like funk or soulful, like it's not mm. quite pastiche. Like they're, they're committed to like, like his, his Italian pop album, Mondo Cane, is not a joke. It's 50 minutes of Mike Patton singing Italian pop in this weird Baroque kind of, right. you know, in Italian. <laughs> like you don't do that as a bit. Like that's something that you do because you, you sort of have a vision and you're going to, and you're going to go all the way through with it. And I think that's, that's one of the things I think that 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 I respond to with this with this album is like the di- the how diverse the music on it actually is, and that there's just there's always a, a, sort of this full commitment to making the song work. That's um one song that actually really actually, I, I do like this song, "Small Victory." What's not to like? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it goes down easy. Yeah, yeah. Like a nice cider. Like a nice cider. Uh, but yeah, this is it, you know they they didn't uh, epic is now we can look back. It's like hair metal bands were scary. Now we can look back and see epic as like a pop song because what it is and it's great. It's a very effective pop song. It's great. This is kind of in the same vein and just it it, it just uh, hits all the boxes and needs a hit and then uh, goes for it. So small picture. Was that a single? That was a single, and and let the record show that the basement was just singing along happily. I mean, that. three three quarters of the basement. <laughs> I think the three video got the some sort of accolades or award of some kind. It, I can't. It was remember. set during like World War One, and it was all like trench warfare sort of soldiers, and it was oh. the idea that they're in this big war, but they have to celebrate the little things, and it was very cinematic. There's that. They released like a video compilation. Who cares a lot? I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> beat that yeah. joke to death <laughs> right <laughs> um and it was and it was on there i don't think it got a lot of play um i i don't remember seeing that at all but it's also like i don't know when i gave up on the idea that i was going to see a music video yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think midlife crisis was the 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 one crack that they had at like yeah. some radio and right it, the others didn't 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 well, hit but what but you know one thing that song illustrates really well and i think what what um, what be, what kind of embodies the the post Angel Dust Faith No More sound is the idea, and it's it's a trick that like is now so so common that it's not even interesting because like you know like Deaf Heaven uh, has is making a living off of it. Yeah. But it's the the idea of compressing like really ugly and really pretty things together in it's as fucking, tight a space as possible. I had not even thought of Deaf Heaven because I I like one Deaf Heaven song per album. And then that's all I can take because well, I'm just like they tend to be. I feel like I have tickets to their show, but I'm only going to see Dread Majesty. Right there, you go. There, yeah, yeah. They're deaf, deaf heaven are sort of exhausting, but um, but <laughs> <laughs> no shade. Um, but 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 you know the 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 and they and they and they carry that through to King for a Day, where they really kind of double down on the like we're going to make things that sound as ugly as possible and as beautiful as possible, and that's sort of the you know this this album, the back cover of it is like is like a butcher shop, right? Yeah. So you get this like beautiful swan on the cover and it's angel dust and it's sort of like, you know, majestic and beautiful. And then you turn and then you flip the album around and it's like a cow and a bunch of meat hanging from hooks. Are you sure that's a swan? It's an egret. 
Is it an egret or yes, a heron? Is an egret? Is it an egret? Uh, yeah, because look, am this, I being fast checked right now? Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> Sorry, because this is actually Roddy Bottom's idea and stuff, and this it's is the duality. Yeah, and, it's and the, the duality, which yeah. honestly, like, it's that is such a. Uh, I've done a lot of drugs, like deep thought. Like, it's not that deep, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> but but it's fine because like if if it drives you to like do stuff that like. My thing is always, like, whether or not, like, say this doesn't resonate with me, but if somebody did get it and got that out of it, what they meant out of it, then that's a fucking wild success, right? That That's what art is out there for. That's what they're out there for and everything. Well, I that's th- why they dropped the Kronos Quartet in the middle of um, right. malpractice, right? right? In so the middle of, like, this weird sort of, like, like deathiest, and, and, yeah. And, you know, if you wanted to, although the internet wasn't really popping in 92, uh, so... Uh, but now, if you wanted to go down the rabbit hole, yeah, you could like find all the samples. I'm sure on Genius, yeah. you probably it's probably listed all the samples. I think, um, including the uh, the airport announcer at Rio's international airport at the beginning of Crack Hitler. Right, she's the one who announces the Vadig flight eight one zero to Miami, which I took many times. It's a lovely flight. Yeah, so Is she's it? she's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet story, bro. Eaters let you rest um, in peace. Th- there's something in this band that I, I don't think we've talked about yet. Um, that like, do you guys consider them art rock? Do we consider what rock? C- consider them art rock. Name they're, another art rock band, and then I can decide. I, you see, that's that's always tough. They're they're on the arty side. I mean, I mean, certainly when you think of 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 like you know, metal is sort of a. Uh, like like a lot of specialized genres, there's a lot of like lane cops, right? Sort of saying like, "Oh, you're out of this lane. Like you're no longer in the club, right? right. You've done this right. or that." And and Faith No More were kind of in this strange in between space because you had MTV quote unquote metal, which was hair metal, and then you had the stuff that was on Headbangers Ball, which was kind of which was you know there was plenty of like what's that <laughs> hair metal. Well, there was, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's where like you would see like ministry or Pantera or. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and when you, you know, if you were like, Hey, do you like art rock? I mean, this is not what would come to my mind when I think of like, what is art rock? Uh, Less sad but, than fab. But, but that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, about, like, like you were talking about, uh, Gary, like in the stuff in one of the side bands about all the stuff he puts around his thing. Mm-hmm. Like presentation is, is important to Mike Patton. Oh, it is. Like mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just Mike Patton going. Here's my voice. Theatricality. I can do it. Theatricality yeah. and yeah. stuff. And so that that's what I mean by art rock. Well, clo- it, closing it, the album with Peter a midnight Gabriel cowboy dressing up like a sunflower. Yeah. I mean, he's well, definitely an artist. There's no doubt about that. Right. He takes his arts seriously in a weird way, where he kind of wants you to get in, be in on the joke, but not necessarily right. like take cert- something cert- uh, that seriously. Um, I think I remember at the time on the lanes thing, you know, you had thrash metal and you had mm-hmm. funk metal and Faith No More definitely was this weird thing where maybe it was kind of like people consider it like smart metal, as I said, or art kind of metal or metal funk. But to me, they were like a popular, especially uh, the real thing, like a more popular like butthole surfers. Not not necessarily the same sound, but it was like if if you didn't know butthole surfers you knew about that well it was a niche thing that kind of got a little bit a little slice right. of like right the, the, the weird kids kind of got exactly. it this yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah 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 they're yeah they're 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 without a doubt on the arty side i mean you know after i think on the king for a day tour they start covering like this guy's in love with you you know after like in between the like burt Bacharach, you know carpenters uh song they, I'm a big um, fan of the Easy cover. I was I yes. was about to say the song the songs to make the songs to make love to thing that came out after this had like that weird like loungy cover of uh, Dead Kennedy's song right of Let's Lynch the Landlord. Oh, that's right. Um, there was a polka song in there in German Das Schützenfest. <laughs> um, and uh, of and course a, there was and and a fairly earnest cover of Easy by the Commodores that was um, which was not on the original album and I think they put it on the um, it was an EP and it had Midnight yeah. Cowboy on yep. it. Yep, I definitely have drunkenly karaoke that that particular song, not the Commodores version, not the Commodores version, but the Faith No More with version. the ooh on the guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the video for that song is actually great because it's sort of like a sullen, hungover looking Mike Patton waking <laughs> up in bed with like with several kind of transgendered people behind right, him right, who are right. shirtless and sort of like stirring and getting out of I bed see a too. YouTube it's just, rabbit hole in my future. Yeah, yeah, let's hear a little excellent. bit of that because this yeah. is uh, you know this is forever the last track on the album. 
Now. It's not though. It's Midnight Cowboy. It's, no, <laughs> it's got to be Midnight. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's a. It's but a. It's this. It's kind of tacked on for the streamers. It, yes. For the streamers yes. out there, uh, you get to come upon easy, and this is what it sounds like. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see a big store in the barrel. Yeah. It's why me. One of the things about this that I love is it displays his willingness to do, you know, kind of outside of the box stuff. And we were talking about the fact that um, Mike Patton fronted uh, for an EP for a band called Dillinger Escape Plan, which, if you want to talk about lanes, is referred to as math core, which right. that just makes me want to smack myself <laughs> in the face. Like that kind of stuff makes me nuts. But their vocalist, who's actually their second vocalist, Dimitri was the first. Greg Pucciato was already sort of like heading in that direction in terms of somebody who had these immense vocal capabilities. I've seen the Dillinger's game plan like probably a dozen times. They've covered Van Halen. I think they actually covered a Justin Timberlake song now that I'm Fantastic. thinking about it. And I feel like their collaboration with Patton sort of like kind of like cracked the last little like barrier between Greg and feeling like he could you know, approach things to, to sing and also yeah. like scream his face off and like climb the scaffolding and do all the stuff yeah. that he was already doing. And I just have like an immense respect for his ability to sort of like influence people to play with genre and ability. So well, and, and that's to, one and of the to, reasons I love him. And to work too. Like, like I think I, I, I remember specifically one time um, on Mike here when we were talking about Radiohead, I think, and the sort of, and the idea, and I'm not, I, I, I am, well, I am, I am going to shit on Radiohead. I feel like there's a, a story, I, yeah. oh no, there's a story here. Well, it's just, it's just more of like, you know, they, they do the meeting people is easy movie and it's like, oh, it's so difficult to go out there and play these same songs every night. I wish people would know me for more than just the music I make. So Mike Patton doesn't want to sing Epic 60 times a year. So you know right. what the fuck he does is he goes out and he works, right? He looks for anyone That's who wants to yeah. collaborate and he goes out there and he builds a different catalog. He does other things. And then, he'll, and then he can go and sing Epic 10 times a year. And that can finance the rest of it. his year. Exactly. And, and actually it's, not look like he's faking his enjoyment of doing so. Right. Because it's not this like forced servitude. It, it, right. It's fresh when you take a decade off yeah. you know, well, between singing them. Right. And it's also annoying that we're supposed to pity Radiohead because they're so successful and people want to ask them questions. But that's, that's, <laughs> neither, that's, neither, two. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> what do you think about Radiohead? I'm, I'm off the soapbox. No, yeah. I, I, that, look, you need people like that out there. The people like if, if he – and I didn't know that about Dylan escape plan if there are agents of change like that out there which mike Patton clearly is willing to do anything and it inspires again like one person an artist never mm -hmm. mind a fan that leads to like just better shit and, stuff. and that's just my interpretation of no, like the evolution of dillinger sound like not that there's no credit to greg for the fact that he's probably headed in that direction but they covered an aphex twin song yeah, no, yeah. no, no. That, I, th I think that's probably right because, you know, what we know about artists, and you'll hear us talk a lot about this when we talk to Phil Cook, they're, they're just people, man. Yeah. And as much as, like, you can right. idolize somebody, as much as people are holding Mike Patton up to, or this whole album or whatever, it's just people. And so, like, Mike Patton, is his drive is to do something. And he honestly tricked somebody into paying him for it. That's, yeah. that's like, that's the Brilliant. dream, right? The kid, the kid from Eureka. Right, right. Yeah. That's the dream, and and but in instead of just being uh, an outright like douchebag about it and ending up in a bad like behind the music, like he can change stuff <laughs> like that. Unless you're a what wolf mother. <laughs> Unless you're wolf mother, yeah. He's like, are you listening to this? 
terrible. I'm like, so yeah. harsh. Uh, on, on YouTube, there's a, a quick interview video of uh, Mike Patton being interviewed backstage at a music festival, and Wolf Mother is on stage. And it's Oh my go, god! Go, yeah! Oh my god! Go, go it. search it, and, and it. it's it's hilarious. Uh, you know, he 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 doesn't hold back, but. Uh, <laughs> but I wonder, like, what do you think the source of his contempt is? Is just that they're not doing anything innovative? And, well, and I that, think he's and performing to the camera. That's where Faith No More falls apart for me, because I think the source of his contempt is is just purely contrarian, and he hasn't figured out. I mean, they do sound a lot like Zeppelin. Yes, they do. <laughs> and not that that's a bad thing if you like Zeppelin, but, I, you know. Uh, and, and sorry to Wolfmother, Greta Van Fleet is going to eat your lunch, drink your milkshake, because that's not exactly like Zeppelin. But, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, th- I think it's that, that level of contrarianism still, like, this far in his career and not appreciating necessarily the – it gets back to what I was saying about the, the sort of jokiness about some of these songs and satire. Yeah, it's not their responsibility to do it, and maybe they don't even know they're doing it, but – there comes a point where like people take you seriously, and then you sort of should take yourself seriously. And if but, you don't, be that guy. But I, isn't that like kind of butt up against the whole like he's just a person? Like why does he have to? Yeah, like, why yeah, doesn't he just get to do whatever well, he wants? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I don't know if this is right, but it, it just kind of occurred to me that it might be laziness that he doesn't like. And I think, and I get when hmm. I actually think yeah. about that that YouTube video of him uh, reacting to Wolf Mother. He's kind of like, this is lazy. Like, mm-hmm. this has been done before. I've heard this. Like, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. And he, and, and as you were saying, Eduardo, like, yeah. this is a workhorse. Like, he's always, everywhere you turn, he's every, working on something. Months, he's collaborating like with somebody. Thing. He's yeah. putting out interesting stuff. Yeah. Some of it may hit, some of it right. may miss, but he's, he's pushing the envelope and he's constantly trying to, like, produce something that's interesting to him. And hopefully it's interesting to others. And he doesn't like, phoning it in he doesn't like that kind of laziness in the industry mm-hmm. yeah so we think angel <laughs> dust is a pretty good album huh? yeah <laughs> it's not lazy one yeah. of the best it's not it's not lazy i i still don't think it's a pretty good album i think it, it, it yeah yeah i mean but i think more highly of of Mike Patton and Faith No More after talking about this. No, there's there, I, I always invoke the Lena Dunham rule of like, I don't like her work, but I'm glad that she's out there and I'm glad that she's making her Are work you? and I'm glad that other people like it. It's Are just you? not, it's just not I for think, me. I think it's okay yeah. to say I don't uh, like her work and glad wish she wasn't. No, it's, it's just not for me. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like Gap Kids. Like they don't sell clothes for me. They're for kids. <laughs> like, I can't walk into Gap Kids and complain about the quality the of their clothes. Weirdly specific. It's just, a, it's, I'm just using it as like, you can't walk into a store that's not for you and then complain. It's that like the kids stuff are us. I want real toys. No, Sorry, no, girls, gir- girls is not for me, but it's, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that Lena Dunham gets to work and then I'm, and I'm glad that people react to it. And so there's, you can Despite respect her. You can, uh, we're not Get into I, I don't. Thing. I don't want to relitigate Lena Dunham. I'm, I'm also not here to defend her. I'm just. I, she's just my go-to example of like someone okay. I admire, but but whose work is is not really uh, appealing to me. Uh, I think I think we should play one more song simply because because we have to address this. Y- yeah, <laughs> we we have to. Who's going to say it? I was like, I'm going to rock paper scissors for who? No, gets I'll, I'll fucking say. It. I mean, when you write a song called Jizz Lobber, <laughs> it, it probably should sound like this.
And so guys and lady, I just read the lyrics. What the fuck is that song about? Smiles, bruises, smiles, bruises, that, bars the in the womb. I hide the dirty minutes under my dirty mattress and they are making me itch. My time is spilt milk. I don't see what you don't understand about that, Kevin. They're just sounds, <laughs> my, Kevin. Okay. My skin is a layer of suit. I'm spending my day scrubbing. <laughs> so just, are, are the, <laughs> the words are whatever I need them to be. Well, there's clearly a a sort of claustrophobic slash like deformed vibe to this song or something. I don't really I like it just sound it's it's like designed to sound ugly and alienating and it it's very successful at that. Um and it ends with like a, a minute plus of like sort of church organ. Um yeah, when when my friends <laughs> and I were like, you know, anticipating this album and kind of hoping for a certain kind of Mike Patton, yeah. Mr. Bungle influence on Faith No More. Like, this was the song, I think, yeah. that, like, clinched this is, the this deal. Is the tour de force. We were like, yes, yeah. it's there yeah. in a big way. Um, this hmm. is kind of a collision of Faith No More and, and Mr. Bungle, at least in my mind. And there's from- that massive, like, slow-churning riffage that you get, especially at the end as the song builds up toward the, like, I am what I've done, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, it's just... But a- we don't know what the song's about. Well, it's, I mean, it depends on which interview. What, what you, is it you about believe. to you, Ordo? Um, it, it, to me, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ugly song that conveys like a profound sense of shame and regret and guilt. And, um, okay. and whether that's a psychosexual thing about masturbation or whether it's, um, something else, I don't know. But, um, but, but, you know, for as non specific as the songs on this album are, I can tell you, um, I mean, a small victory is, is literal. Um, RV is, is literal and hilarious. Um, the day that when I woke up fucking reeking of whiskey the day after the election and couldn't believe that Donald Trump was the president and I realized I had to go to work and I called my boss and I said, I'm in a bad way. I can't, I don't think I'm, I can be there. And she said, you should, you should come in and, and just, and we'll sit down and we'll talk. And I got in my car and I was like, what is going to be the first song that I'm going to listen to in Donald Trump's America? And I put on caffeine off of this album. <laughs> and I blew out the speakers in my fucking car that day wow. because I needed to hear the I'm warning you, I'm warning you, I'm fucking you part at at like 11. And it was glorious. I like suddenly could face the day. So interesting. So I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know what caffeine's about, but I, I, I know I knew I needed it that morning. And that's probably what keeps me coming back to this. But. Um. <laughs> Everybody's like, anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was yeah, odd. Yeah, like, that was like, odd. Like, no, no, this, no. It's it, it, it's like everything Mike Patton does. It's visceral. Uh, it it makes you so. So I read that or those lyrics, and it's not just about self shame. It could be about like uh, going through. Uh, uh, obviously, he can't, but going through an abortion. Uh, it, it could be a lot of things. Like it's just it's it's a very specific type of violence that you don't often hear in a song. You heard it on uh, Living Color Stain. That violence was very specifically about slavery, about the treatment of African Americans in 1992. Never mind 2018. Yeah. Um, it's getting a nice vinyl uh, reissue. It's Did coming to my house. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Something like that, you. Uh, like, for me, that's the most visceral thing on the album. And, and I. Whether or not I relate to it or not, like, I feel it. And I can go back to it if I want to feel something, whatever I want to feel about it. But well, and Carrie, you were saying you hear like you hear Slayer in there. You hear, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not like it's you know for as for as novel as so much of this album seems. Like it is, it's sort of like if you if you know the family tree, then you can hear right. antecedents in the sound, right? It's not like it's not completely out of thin air, but it's but the way all I the enjoy pieces, not picking it apart though. Yeah, right, you right. Know? Like I well, like it's a good the, thing you're down I here like... talking about this. But no, it's it's interesting. Like it's it's a um a useful exercise to actually like have a conversation with other people and to realize that like maybe part of the appeal is that there's this like kind of like tense horror movie sort of like psycho sound like yeah. looped into the background that you're like, Oh yeah, like that that it appeals to you and then you kind of identify the individual sounds because it's like claustrophobic sounding. Yeah. Yeah. For me it is it's the sound. You know, I don't I don't know if I've ever actually like really dissected the lyrics. Right. I hear certain words and I, I can tell that there's, you know, um some 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 torment going on there. 
I can let um, you know it's safe to look up Jizz Lobber on your phone because I, okay. I just did yeah. that to see the lyrics to remind myself. Yeah, so I, I was a little apprehensive. But he about he that. he he takes it to a lot of places. He can go uh, vocally, you know, with the screams, mm-hmm. and then you kind of have this operatic aspect to his, his yeah. delivery. Um, he he he's doing a lot um, vocally in this song. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, I, I think, a good example of the range that he can just yeah. deliver, whether it's like kind of the death metal is, screams. The question is, does he and... care a lot? <laughs> Sorry. Had to be done. Well, I was like, well, no, yeah, technically yeah. Chuck Mosley cares there, a lot. There was a dirty that. job and he did it yeah. well. No, I think, I think, I think that's what but, that, that amounts to. But that dirty job was not creating new metal, despite what detractors out there. Well, let's talk about that. Unnamed so, detractors mean who might... metal like N-U-Umlaut metal? Yeah, that's the one. So, look, in hindsight now, like new metal is now like 15, 20 years past, at least. Like, So where are we at with that in this room? I don't know. I left. <laughs> <laughs> okay because faith no more is not new metal to me i don't okay. know yeah i hit out with alt country for a few years to kind of try to escape yeah there's there's just no so fred durst is not like coming to the barbecue actually if you want to blame someone <laughs> pay, um uh what's his name from helmet actually was in uh limp biscuit for a little oh, while right no page you, page hamilton yeah, 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 page hamilton yeah so who's Sometimes. the who's the poster child for new metal though like I, i'm a late corn definitely but i think but i think if who's the godfather you might might point to this album a little bit. No, but that's, but that's like bit. that's like. But 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 by that logic, you have to like hold Led Zeppelin responsible for Jack White. They are. <laughs> and for and for Trey Anastasio, your favorite. They are. <laughs> like, but you're going to indict Led Zeppelin for the fact that people who came after them. I'm not talking about indictments. I'm, okay. I'm just trying to draw a this connection. It's like bro. you know blaming Karl Marx for you know a whole bunch of communism. Bad yeah, shit. yeah. yeah. Don't put, don't 20th put, century. Don't put, it's like put, it's not. Don't put their Stalin fault. on Marx, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking at this Wikipedia article just because, like, to make myself feel better, and I see no mention whatsoever of, of new metal no in there. Of Faith No More, no. I see some Papa Roach references. I see some, oh, some, no, some stains, no, no. some POD. Okay, mm-hmm. POD, really? See, that's okay. Your three eleven is probably in there, Kevin. No, they're more. No, they're my three eleven. They 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 spawned. <laughs> yeah, they spawned your three eleven. <laughs> they spawned more no new CD metal children. The blood, sir. <laughs> Um, March the 11th great summer. flood that washed away prior. It washed mistakes. washed away some sins, but not the three eleven. Not the three eleven. It's still behind that wall. I'm spending my days scrubbing, as Mike Patton said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at any rate, yeah. I mean, look. So, angel dust guys <laughs> with an egret on the cover. Yeah. Right. So it's not a swan. It's not a swan. Do you want to confirm that, Carrie? No, I'm just going to confirm that it's not a swan. <laughs> I'm not uh, <laughs> my my bird identification is not so rich that it might be an ibis. I don't think so. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like what? We leave this mystery. I think that's a good way to just land this. <laughs> ten just, out of like, ten. We'd we'll listen to he's album out, again. He's out. Yep, would listen. He's out of reach. Add us on Twitter. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> you've been you've been on uh, Patent Talk on on NPR. <laughs> Next up is All Dongs Considered and. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Uh, no, thank you guys for hanging out. And uh, look, if this is, I don't know, I'm not convinced, but I I appreciate that you guys love this shit. So that's is you, that okay? You gave you gave it you gave it a fair shot. Yeah, I feel better I'm not about uh, it now. I'm actually not convinced you gave it a fair shot, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Faith No More's Angel Dust has been available everywhere you can buy fine music for 26 years, folks. Um, in that time, Faith No More has gone away. They've come back, and uh, Mike Patton has been at the uh, that he's he's always visible. Mike Patton is ever present, uh, but that was fun. That was good. I, I um, 
like I said up front, I you know some this is just something that doesn't hit me. That's okay. The point of music is that you don't get all of it. In fact, people who get all of it are, are weirdos. They're <laughs> not being honest with themselves. Uh, at least that's my opinion because sometimes stuff just doesn't work. Uh, and and the trick is not to just dismiss it as trash, um, but to to sort of understand it and understand why it's not for you. That that makes you a better person, I think. Um, but thanks to Eduardo, uh, Drew, and Terry for coming and hanging out. And hopefully, uh, yeah, we talked to K- Carrie. She come back, right? You guys liked her? It's good. So uh, we'll, we'll get her back on here talking about some other stuff. Uh, that is it. We are out of here. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a radio or a message there. You can also listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. So if you, if you wanted to dial up uh, Angel Dust to sort of do some homework for this, in Spotify, then right there uh, around Angel Dust, when you search for it, is going to be us. It's a little logo. It's a little me with uh, headphones. So I guess that's one interpretation of it. Uh, it's uh, been on logo for quite a while, actually. But uh, but you can do that there. You can always listen on the site at www.chunkyglasses.com, where you'll see our live coverage up there done by Matt Kahn and Mauricio Castro and uh, Avery Junius. They are amazing. They're best in the biz. I don't need to tell you guys that. And uh, and always thanks to our podcast host and provider where you can listen to this directly, Pippa.io. If you go there, not only is our, our whole archive up uh, there, the whole thing, I think it starts to drain out of uh, iTunes, it's some database management thing, but the whole thing is up there. But if you have a podcast idea and you want to get out on the airwaves, the uh, the high seas of the internet, you can pay them a small fee and, and they will open their doors and you, you give them the files and they will get them where they need to go and... And who knows, maybe you'll take over the uh, the iTunes charts or the podcasting world. Uh, it could happen. It could happen to you, and Pippa would be would be happy as fuck to help, because they are great. Just <laughs> just this weekend, they uh, took on a troll who was trying to sell uh, hits for podcasts and somehow got in their chat, because their, chat, their, their, um, their support chat is amazing. They're always there. Uh, but they got in the chat, and so uh, this is how awesome these guys are. They just started tweeting about it, and started and gave out the guy's email address uh, to basically get rid of like trolls like that. You should never buy hits, folks. Is what I'm saying. Ever, ever, ever. False sense of self worth. Uh, and that's it. We're out of here. Going to be back on Thursday. Talking about REM. I cannot wait for that. Uh, until then, get out and see some live music. Be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>